Welcome, everyone, to the Talking Reef Podcast. Questions and comments are always welcome. Please send them to podcast at talkingreef.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.talkingreef.com. Now, here's the show. G'day, this is Herman from Sydney, Australia. You are listening to the Talking Reef Podcast. Welcome to the Talking Reef Podcast, the weekly talk show that brings you topics and discussions on marine and reef aquariums. I'm your host, Rob Weatherly. This is podcast episode 50, Cycling. First, I want to mention that this show is sponsored by Coral Dynamics. Coral Dynamics specializes in captive-propagated corals, captive-bred clownfish, cardinals, and seahorses. If you're looking for any captive-bred or propagated livestock for your tank, make sure you check out Coral Dynamics, found at www.coraldynamics.com. Kind of got a special show for you this week. It's a little anniversary of ours, nothing big. Uh, this is actually the 50th podcast episode. Talking Reef Podcast uh, was the first marine aquarium hobbyist podcast starting back in August of 2005. Uh, we finished our first month uh, with the podcast being live with just under 30 subscribers. And the first month of the website running really showed some promise with about 5,000 page views and just over 20,000 hits on the website. Now today, with nine months behind us and 50 shows completed, we are just showing amazing progress. Average subscriber count regularly climbs over 500 unique people a day checking on, on the podcast feed. And for the website, well, that's a whole nother story. Let's put it this way. Last month, the website ended traffic-wise with 1.2 million hits on the site. Uh, and for about half a million uh, page views. Our community forums have just been exploding. Over 600 registered members, and we have well over 10,000 posts and hundreds of new posts each day. So I didn't really want to spend the whole show uh, talking about that. So, you know, it's just some important stuff, and I did want to truly thank everyone who's been out there supporting the show. Uh, So let's move on a little bit. We started podcast uh, podcast episode nine months ago with a topic that's near and dear to everyone's heart and uh, is a topic that a lot of newcomers uh, tend to don't not fully understand. Uh, and this t- topic is about cycling your tank. Uh, we did talk in episode two about the nitrogen cycle, and we did talk in the substrates parts one and part two about the various processes that happen within the substrate and which even relates a little bit to the live rock. So what I wanted to kind of do is I I, I sat back and realized that we haven't really put together a show that summarizes cycling the tank. Now, this really came out of a forum thread that is currently going, and there's some great discussions in this thread. So make sure you head over to the podcast, uh, Talking Reef Podcast forums, and check out this thread. Uh, And what the thread is about, it's a real interesting question, asking what are, you know, what is the proper wait time and how long do you, you wait to cycling your tank, you know, after cycling your tank? Uh, is there a certain amount of time that you should wait? Is there a benefit to waiting uh, longer? If your tank finishes cycling in three weeks, is there a benefit to waiting another one week, another two weeks, another three weeks? I'm not going to sit here and, and say that one way or another is better. Uh, 
I, for one, usually start uh, very shortly after the cycle finishes. But again, there's this thread going on. Uh, we're trying to take a look and see if we can, you know, what kind of benefits can come along with uh, letting your tank uh, sit back. So if you've got comments or feedback or ideas or thoughts uh, on that, it's, you know, make sure you head over to the forums and throw in your two cents on that. Really got some good discussions going there, and, and we've got probably about 30 replies to that, and it's growing a little bit. So head over there and provide your feedback. Uh, that's about enough there. Uh, so again, let's start off this topic. Uh, again, I'm going to kind of take it back for the beginners a little bit. Uh, if you're an advanced uh, reef keeper, uh, this topic might be, you know, a little mundane. Sorry. Uh, but I, like I said, I didn't want to have a show that I could reference people back to specifically about cycling the tank. So we're going to start off with what is cycling. Now, if you've been listening to all the podcast episodes, you should have a real idea, a real good idea about what cycling is. Uh, so for hopefully the few people that haven't been back and listened to all the past podcast episodes, cycling is the cycling your tank is a process in which you build up your natural biological filtration in order to handle the bio load of your tank. Now, get a little bit of understanding for this. Uh, when you put in livestock into your tank, the livestock needs to be fed. And when the livestock, whether it's coral, fish, invertebrates, whatever, they all need to eat that food. And when they eat that food, they pass waste. Well, the excess food in the waste is left in your tank and it needs to be metabolized or it's going to be metabolized in the tank. You know, the different bacteria and stuff are going to consume that and use that for their food source. And cycling, uh, if you reference back to the podcast episode two to get the details on the on the nitrogen cycle the initial tank cycle is the beginning of the nitrogen cycle in your tank now the nitrogen cycle actually never ends it's something that is started and just continues on indefinitely while you have your tank up so there's questions about you know okay when the cycle ends and i know i've been at fault and i'm guilty of doing this at saying okay when your cycle finishes and what we're really referring to here is the starting of the cycle and what we should really be saying is when the initial starting phase of your cycle finishes that's you know the point where you make your next move or decide when your next move is going to be but it is important to understand that the cycle gets started and never ends again for details hit podcast episode two the average tank cycle can really depend on the way you're setting your tank up what you're using in there, how you're starting the cycle. Uh, starting the cycle is usually done uh, a couple different ways. You're usually going to put in your, your live sand bed or a non-live sand bed. You're going to establish your sand bed if you're using a sand bed. If you're using a bare bottom tank, and you, you won't have any sand, so this doesn't apply. Uh, but what you will probably be doing is putting in some live rock. Live rock alone is enough to start a cycle, albeit slow, it will start it naturally. Uh, starting with uncured live rock is another way to start the cycle. Uncured live rock is essentially the same as live rock, although it is not in the same state. It needs to. It, it has life on it. However, most of that life is dead or dying. So when you put that rock in your tank, most of that that life on it that is dead or dying is going to start to decompose. That decomposition process is actually going to kickstart your cycle. The next part, uh, next way of starting it, is using something to 
to actually kickstart it other than the live rock. This can be done in multiple different ways. Uh, there are commercial products available. However, I have yet to see any conclusive evidence that any of them actually add any specific benefit. And for the price that you're going to pay for them, I've yet to meet anybody that says that, man, that was worth it for me. <laughs> so one of the ways that I commonly recommend, again, this is not the only way. There are many, many different ways, uh, two of which I just mentioned, uh, is starting uh, adding your live rock in there, whether it's cured or uncured, uh, or even base rock if you're starting, uh, agri-crete, anything like that. you, you got to add your, your rock in there. Uh, but the way that I usually start them is by adding a piece of raw table shrimp. I know I've mentioned this on past podcasts, but so I won't go into all the details there either. Uh, but it's really interesting. When you do this, you can actually see it going. And you leave that piece of raw, uh, you know, raw, uncooked, unseasoned shrimp in there for a couple days. And after two or three days, you'll start to see this fuzz growing around it. And it's, that's the process in which that, that food source is being consumed by the, the surrounding bacteria actually kick starting starting your cycle now those are various ways to actually get the cycle going is any of these ways the right way no they're all good ways they all work they all accomplish the exact same thing there really is no difference other than the speed at which it's going to happen now again the commercial products i'm going to say are a little bit different because from what i've heard they don't really do anything that in the hobby we have found as being advantageous that we can't already accomplish naturally with our existing you know live rock and whatever using you know the established live rock is going to do the same thing it's just going to do it slower using uncured live rock is going to give you a boost with that initial decomposition of the of the life that is on there or the past life that was on there which is doing the, using the uncured live rock is essentially the same thing as using the, the piece of shrimp so if you are using uncured live rock there really is no need to use a shrimp because you are going to have a very large amount of initial decomposition. Uh, so adding that shrimp in there is just going to add to that, and it's going to cause a huge, huge initial ammonia spike. So something we probably don't need to do. Now, if you're starting with base rock or if you're starting with a small amount of live rock mixed in with base rock or a large amount of base rock, then using the shrimp, the piece of shrimp method uh, it, it might be a good option for you. Again, pretty much the same exact thing just the speed at which they go a little bit about the speed at which you go uh, this is something that's important for newcomers to understand one of the most important things that a newcomer needs to learn uh, is you need to be patient you must learn to wait nothing good happens fast so when you're getting your your tanks started don't wait you know don't say oh well you know it's been up for two weeks uh, my cycle's not done yet, but I'm going to start putting stuff in there. Uh, it, the reality is, is it's irresponsible, and it's not. It, it's very hazardous and dangerous for the life that you're putting in there. We all have to understand that we are, uh, for lack of better terms, in a way, kind of playing God with our tanks. We are trying to set up this little ecosystem and trying to sustain life in that tank. Uh, it's just like having you know, a pet, a cat, a dog, a bird, anything like that. You need to make sure that before you bring the pets into your home and put give them a new home, that it's a suitable environment for them. You're not going to live in uh, a frigid climate and go say, oh, I'm going to get a dog, and it's going to be an outside dog. And, well, what kind of dog is it? Well, it's a little chihuahua, which is not meant to handle the outside environment. So you wouldn't take that type of dog and 
put give it a little tiny unheated doghouse and throw it out in the backyard and just leave it there? Of course not. The same concept applies to the tank. You need to make sure that you set up a proper environment and you need to take the proper precautions to make their make sure that the environment is ready and suited for life. Now let's take a minute and talk about what happens during the cycle. Uh, now again, podcast episode two, I do talk about this uh, in detail. So uh, just to kind of give it a little bit of a different perspective for newcomers or people that may not fully understand this, this is one of those things that people look at, uh, they may even go on forums and give advice about and not fully understand. So let me try to take a minute and, and help people understand it. Now, when you are starting this cycle, what you're doing, as I mentioned earlier, is you are starting the biological filtration process. You are building the biological filtration, which is various types of bacteria that are going to be living in and on the live rock, in the water column, in the substrate, and so forth. When you start the cycle process, uh, as mentioned earlier, you are starting it with a food source. That food source is usually the decomposing life that is on the live rock, cured or uncured, or the piece of table shrimp that you put in there to be consumed. As it decomposes, it's going to produce... It's it, the de- actual process of decomposition, things decompose because bacteria is consuming them. If there was no bacteria, there would be no decomposition. The thing would sit there. So the initial bacteria start consuming that, and that's your decomposition process. The result of that, the bacteria take in that food, the shrimp, whatever it happens to be, and the byproduct of that process is ammonia. So when you go through your cycle and you start up and you start the tank cycle and you're going through your testing, which we're going to talk about in a second, you're going to see an initial spike in your ammonia levels. This is your your actual tank cycle getting started. Now, uh, again, in, in episode two, I go through all the various levels, so I won't cover that all in detail here. But what you what's going to happen is you're going to see each one of the levels rise. Now, what's going on is as each type of bacteria colonizes, you're going to start off with the bacteria that produces the ammonia. So that colony is going to build up and build up and build up, consuming that food. All of its byproducts are going to be in ammonia. Well, now you have a food source for the next stage of the bac- you know, type of bacteria. That colony is going to build up and build up and build up, consuming that ammonia, producing the next product, which is nitrate. Same thing is going to go on there producing nitrate, same thing's going to go there, consuming that, turning it into nitrate. And then your last phase, which is your denitrification process, which is usually happens deep within the live rock. And once your tank becomes matured, it's going to happen in your sand bed. It's important to understand that if you are choosing to use a deep sand method, the deep sand bed, is it, it takes months to become established. It really takes some time. You're not going to put in a, a four, five, six inch sand bed and have it working right away. It's not going to do it. Even if you take all brand new sand, or I'm sorry, all established sand, if you have a tank that's set up for a year and it is running a deep sand bed and you've got six inches of mature sand in there and you scoop it all out and you move it over into another tank, guess what? You just killed it all. This bacteria is an anaerobic bacteria, lives in an anaerobic or anoxic, uh, depending on how you use the word, environment. This is an environment that is void or low in oxygen levels. Now, the important thing to understand here about this type of bacteria, bacteria that live in anaerobic environments 
to these types of bacteria, oxygen is extremely poisonous to them. Exposure to high levels of oxygen will kill them. That's the way anaerobic bacteria work. Uh, just to kind of put, you know, sidetrack a little bit, I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of you understand, oxygen is a corrosive chemical to everyone, to people, to pretty much all life. You have byproducts called free radicals that essentially bounce around, and I, not to get into the, to the extreme details, but these free radicals will actually bounce around and destroy molecules and DNA. That's what they do. That's what they do in your body. That's what they do in your fish. That's what they do to life in general. These bacteria that live in this anaerobic environment live and thrive in an environment that is, has very, very low amounts of oxygen. Now, when you scoop up that sand, as I mentioned, if you're going to transfer, you're going to scoop up all that sand, you're going to put it into a new sand bed, into a new tank, you're going to kill that bacteria. It's just the way it works. Also going into the important part about why you try to you try not to have major disruptions within your deep sand bed because essentially you're going to kill off all that bacteria. Okay, so I think that's enough about that. I hope you got it. I hope I didn't bore you all to death. Now, the next part uh, with starting your cycle and what's going on during the cycle, this really does link into what's going on with the cycle, is actually testing during the initial starting phase of the cycle. Now, this is something that I personally do recommend you do. I recommend this for two reasons. When you're testing during your cycle, you are going to get an intimate chance to see exactly what's happening, what's going on, how it's working. You really get to see firsthand what, what, what's going on. When you sit there every other day testing your water, and you're going to see these ammonia levels go up and then back down, and you're going to see your nitrate go up and then start to come back down while the nitrate is coming up and coming down, you're going to see how each of these correlates together. I can sit here and I can tell you this for an hour that that's how it works. You can go online and you can read it for three months that that's how it happens. But when you actually sit there and see it happen, it kind of really it, it really hits home for you, and it. For a lot of people, it really helps them understand what's going on. So it's really important in my eyes that you do test, number one, to learn what's going on and to experience it. Uh, another great point about doing this is it gives you great experience using your test kits, making sure you know how to use them, that you're reading them accurately, that you have a good test kit. Uh, bad test kits happen. You, you know, the brand that I always recommend, Salifert, you could go out and buy a Salifert test kit and it may not be any good. It happens. Uh, sometimes or not, you know, bad products get slipped by and, and they get put on store shelves. So that's another good thing about testing during your cycle. You are going to get to make sure that you learn how to use your test kit and then it's a good test kit. You get to see what's going on in your tank as it's happening real time. And last but not least, another benefit to this is you get to actually see when the initial phase of the cycle completes before it moves on to its continuous cycle process that it always goes through. Now, this initial phase is done when all of your levels return back to zero. Again, from the previous shows, you'll know that during the, during the initial cycle phase, each one of those main chemicals are, is going to go up and then come back down. When they all zero back out, this is the point where we commonly say your cycle has finished. Now, again, the cycle hasn't finished. It's just reached a point of equilibrium. It is now balanced. There is a balanced amount of bacteria. There is 
enough bacteria to handle the existing biological load in the tank that was introduced when you introduced the live rock and when you introduced whatever method that you used to kickstart the cycle to actually get it going. Now this touches on uh, what you do uh, when the cycle is finished. When your cycle does finish, and it is, you've reached the point where you are going to start adding livestock, whatever time frame this happens to be, the points that I just brought up about that balanced equilibrium in the biological filtration, this is where it becomes important. And this is where it's where you need to learn to understand that this is why we do things slowly in the tank. So as I mentioned, we've now reached an equilibrium. Let's put in a fish. Well, what's going to happen? It's going to throw that equilibrium out of whack because the, the biological filtration that's in the tank is set up to handle what we started with. Now, what we started with was very little uh, in the case of a food source. So when we start adding more life into there, it's going to add a larger biological load. And that's what this is referred to as your bio load. So what, what has to happen is your biological f- filtration your, uh, needs to catch up and it needs to rebalance itself out. So when you start adding new life in there, new livestock, it's going to, uh, your, your, bio load is going, your biological filtration is going to adjust each time. And this is why we need to do it slow. Because if we had too much in there at one time, we are going to increase the bio load way too much. And this is going to throw things way out of whack. It's going to cause large uh, spikes in ammonia and it's going to lead essentially what's going to happen is it's going to lead to an unequal balance within your tank it's going to cause algae problems it's going to cause all different types of things to happen so but that is why and hopefully it'll help you if you don't already understand it'll help you understand why we don't you know why we add things slow and why it's important and what happens during the cycle Uh, i think it's really important that people get an understanding of why we do things the way we do uh, it, it's more important that you understand them than it is for you to know them. For example, you know that you need to wait for your tank to cycle, but why? You need to know that you need to increase your bio load slowly, but why? Well, here, this is why, and that's why. So hopefully that that really helps everybody get an understanding of what's going on in there and why we do things the way we do. Uh, I hope I covered uh, this good enough for everyone. Again, this is a, a, a more of a beginner topic. Uh, so we basically we covered what the cycle is, ways to get the cycle started, and what's happening when we get the cycle started, what exactly is happening during the cycle, uh, ways and reasons of testing the cycle, and why we do things the way we do them after the cycle, uh, the initial cycle phase has been completed. So now if you have questions, comments, uh, anything like that, head over to the podca- Talking Reef Podcast forums. Uh, leave some feedback there on this. Again, there is a, uh, in the general marine discussion forum, there is a thread that is not really on this, but it, it, there's a great thread going there. And it's, again, what we're really looking for in that thread is ideas about possible ways to make the cycle uh, process better for people, to give people a better chance of, uh, of success after that. So head over there, pitch in your ideas. We all want to hear your thoughts on it. We're not looking for the right way. We're not looking for the wrong way. We're looking for people to open up their minds and provide their their ideas and input on what would be a good thing and what would be a not good thing. Now moving on to the tip of the week for this show. 
tip of the week this week was posted in our forums, and for the life of me, I cannot remember who posted it, but I think it was about a week or so ago. And this one was uh, basically about using newspaper to clean the glass in your aquarium. A lot of people who own their own homes or have to do this type of work are familiar with this, uh, but there are some people that may not have realized it. Newspaper works great to clean your tank without leaving streaks on it. Now, if you couple that with using warm water and vinegar, you've got a safe and streak-free way of cleaning your tank. Uh, using paper towel or something like that, you have a real good chance you're going to leave streaks around. You're gonna, it's going to take you a while to get it cleaned up. Using Windex or glass cleaner is very dangerous for your tank. You can't get that in your tank. It's, it's, it's hazardous. So you get a spray bottle, put some vinegar, some warm water, spray your glass, use some uh, old newspaper, Use crumple that up in a ball, wipe it clean, and guess what? Beautiful, clean glass. So uh, I apologize for not remembering who the person was who recommended that tip, uh, but I, I do appreciate that. And if you have tips that you want to submit, make sure you head over to the Talking Reef Podcast forums. There is a form in there set up for tips, suggestions. You can leave your tip in there, and we'll get it played on the air for you. Now, moving on, we're going to go into the questions and answers section. Now, this is a question that was posted in response to an existing thread, and this was posted by RecDiver61, if I remember correctly. And the essential point to the question was, what's the difference between good algae and bad algae, or how do you differentiate what is good and what is bad? This is actually in a thread about hair algae, and it was basically brought up, hey, you know, hair algae is a macroalgae. You put macroalgae in your refugium. Why would you try to get rid of it in your tank since you're, you know, why would you try to get rid of macroalgae in your display tank only to put them into your refugium? And this does bring up some good points. And it's some things that uh, maybe people don't really understand. And that's, that's good because it's something that I never really thought about. And I think what we might do is do a little bit more of an in-depth show on algaes. But uh, just to break it down real quickly, algae is any type of photosynthesizing single cell, or not single cell, but photosynthesizing marine organism. Uh, I'm I'm sure there may be uh, exceptions to this, but basically uh, if you're dealing with seaweed, large algaes, microalgaes, macroalgaes, and like I mentioned, even seaweed, that is all algae. Now, when you have single-celled algae, we're talking about microalgae. This is phytoplankton, uh, that green stuff that dusts and coats your rocks, so on and so forth. Now, dinophalangites, uh, diatoms, cyanobacteria, while they're not exactly algaes, they do commonly get clumped into a microalgae uh, classification. Uh, although, as I mentioned, they're not really actual algae. Macroalgae, same thing as microalgae, only they're combined into what you would think of as a plant. Uh, when you look at these, then you would think it's a plant. Well, if it's if it's seaweed, uh, if you're in freshwater, saltwater, it's actually a type of macroalgae. And this is just a, a collection of large, you know, organized cells that are forming what looks like a plant. So, what's the difference between good and bad algae? Well, let's take a look. There are we can't say microalgae is bad and Macroalgae is good because there is good and bad microalgae, and there's good and bad macroalgae. Let's look at microalgae. We have phytoplankton, good. Coralline algae, good. 
That green stuff that gets all over your rocks and on your glass, not good. That's the stuff that we try to clean off, and we get the snails to kind of eat that away. Now let's look at macroalgaes. We've got uh, Chato, good. Calepra, good. Hair algae, mm, bad. Bubble algae, mm, bad. Those are macroalgaes. Now, what makes one good and what makes one bad? Well, uh, basically, from my uh, standpoint, if, if it's good, that means it's controllable. If it's bad, it's uncontrollable. Or vice versa. If it's, if it's uncontrollable, it's bad. And what I mean here is, let's look at hair algae, for example. Once you get hair algae in your tank and it has a food source, it's going to spread over everything. Its spores are going to pop and it's going to start growing anywhere that it can. It's going to grow all over your rocks, all over your corals, all over your powerheads and your pumps and your intakes and your filters, everything. Your sand, your even, you know, anywhere that it can grow, it will grow. There is no way to control it and contain it to certain spots. That is what we look at as bad algae. Now, what's good algae? Good algae is the stuff that we can reasonably control. Now, this stuff is going to grow. It has to be, it has to be maintained. Uh, but when we're looking at stuff like Chato or Calepra, then you can usually go in and use some scissors and trim it very easily. And it's not something that you have to do all the time. So that's really the good thing, uh, the difference between good and bad algae. If you can control it, it's good. If it's something that you can't easily control, then it's a nuisance algae is what we call them. So uh, we're at about 30 minutes, and that's going to pretty much wrap up our 50th episode. Uh, again, thanks, everybody, for allowing us to get this far. It's just been, it's been an excellent ride. So uh, don't forget to uh, call in any questions, introductions, or comments into the voicemail line. Uh, pick up the phone, dial 586 486-3357 and we'll get your comments, uh, questions and everything played on the air. Uh, that's going to wrap up the show for this week. Uh, next week we have a great show coming for you. Uh, we've got an interview that Jake Adams did uh, with a couple people on the Zeovit system. Uh, this should be a very interesting uh, introduction to the Zeovit system for people that aren't familiar with it. They go into a little bit of detail, not great detail, uh, but there is definitely some, some worthwhile information and it's not something that uh, we at the Talking Reef podcast and the website have really discussed a lot. Uh, honestly, I haven't brought it up because I'm not familiar with this. And so what I'm hoping to get out of this, and I'm very, very excited that, that Jake did this for us, we're going to get this initial show played. And hopefully what will happen is we'll get a lot of questions that will come back into the forums. And we'll be able to bring one or two of those people back on the show. And I'll, I'll work with them. We'll do some interviews and we'll get to answer my questions and hopefully everybody else's questions and we can just go down a list of and do a Q&A session on on Zeovit what it is what it means to you is it a good thing is it a bad thing is it for everyone blah 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 so make sure you tune in next week episode 51 and that's going to be all on Zeovit so that's going to wrap up the show for this week thank you all for taking the time to join me and we will see and talk to you next week <laughs>